This podcast is sponsored by 5E Leadership and Marketing. As we wind down 2021, the perspective has been, how do we build allyships, partnerships, and build community through economic power? With Latinas B2B.Marketing, we can help you build that community through networks, partnerships by finding the right products and solutions to your business that will help provide a partnership with other community businesses. Learn more at latinasb2b.marketing and sign up for our newsletter, or you can reach out to us at latinasb2b.marketing for more information. Gracias. So many more women are starting to open their minds to the idea that they can be in business for themselves. If we as women kind of work to help by bringing others along and by doing business with each other, I'm kind of one of those like we women, we got to stick together. We need to do business with each other. We need to hire each other, you know, give each other work, give each other experience and help each other out. What's that phrase about, you know, raising everyone up together? Welcome to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom, where wisdom comes from everywhere. This is a podcast about generational wisdom shared to help build a bridge for future generations and to build stronger communities through education, technology, and health. Welcome to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. Welcome, Jen, to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. I just want to give a brief overview to our audience of your stint in the tech industry, and I'm so glad I found you through LinkedIn and your posts, and also because of the actions that you're taking in creating diversity and equity and inclusion in the tech space. So Jen, you're a tech veteran and you are in information security and you bring 20 years of experience into protecting networks for global companies, large and small. You were self-taught in IT as an IT professional. You're a single mom, which inspired your vision to create a welcoming workplace. And that brings a meaningful mission to bring economic power to others so you understand the struggle. But most important is that the business, as you have mentioned in your YouTube and in other marketing messages, is that small businesses can be a part of the solution to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And also for fun, oh my God, for fun, you do ultra marathons and we can find you somewhere here in the Bay Area. Thank you so much for that kind introduction. I would only add to that that I'm an ultra slow ultra runner. <laughs> I like to make sure that we're we're setting the bar appropriately low. And it's also been a couple of years since I ran an ultra. This oh, thing called wow. COVID got in the way of my running aspirations. So yeah, that dang COVID. I hate it. It's still hanging on. <laughs> So anyway, so I'm glad to be here with you today. The reason why we have the podcast from Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom is that we talk about building the bridge for our younger folks, right? Because I like to say I'm a Chicanosaurus because we've been in tech for so long. But what I like to introduce into these podcasts is how 
women like us and also the younger generation are building bridges and pathways into tech, specifically for women, the LGBTQ community, BIPOC, and, you know, all the communities that are not represented in the tech space, which is so important these days, just based on how much we use tech. So when we invite guests to the podcast, we ask, how did you start in tech and why did you become interested in this space? Because there is a lack of women in STEM, specifically for women of color, how we are not represented in the double digits in technology. And then the other one is how we're starting businesses faster, but we're not in the tech space so much. And so I just want to bring your perspective into that. Well, maybe we can start with my start in tech. I think you know that I was a very young single mom. I had a very adventurous time in high school and and found myself pregnant with my daughter at 16. I had wow. just turned 17 when I had her. So going off to college was not something that was going to be in the cards for me. I did go to a two-year technical, like a trade school. And then I was really fortunate that there was a company in the area that I worked at in Texas that they were actively looking for women to hire. And they contacted the school that I went through. And before I knew it, I had an interview and then a job and had my first job in tech. And my very first job, I was a bench technician. I used to repair circuit boards that were used in the telecom industry. Wow. And then I just kind of moved in from there. I started helping people with their computers and then found my way into the IT department and got tons of exposure and desktop support and servers and network and enterprise applications. And I was involved with the company's migration from AS400 to SAP. And so I had exposure to SAP in the early 90s. So that was kind of how I got my start. But yeah, I'm mostly self-taught, although I did have an early degree in electronic engineering technology, which did get my foot in the door. And then from there, I was mostly self-taught. Wow. So you're from Texas originally, is that correct? I wasn't born there. I grew up mostly in Texas, yes. Interesting time in Texas right now. Wouldn't want to be there, yeah. So being a single mom at 16, I'm sure it was a lot different And that brings up the interest that you probably saw or as a single mom and a teen mom, how do I support my baby, my life? Because it sounds like you didn't have a lot of support or there was that pathway to be supported. Yeah. I mean, I was fortunate that my parents were very helpful in taking care of my daughter while I was going to school and while I was working. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because yeah, while I was going to school, for example, I was also waiting tables. I would also sometimes work part-time at 7-Elevens as a second job. So I was trying to run two jobs and go to school. And even in my early days, In tech, I was also doing second and third jobs. I did telemarketing for MCI. I'm dating myself a little bit, but... We won't tell anybody. Okay, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I did telemarketing part-time for MCI. I did 7-Eleven. I held a variety of different jobs. I very much understand the struggle of trying to make ends meet and also trying to climb the ladder, right? Like you have this opportunity and someone's given you this opportunity and you want to make everything that you can out of that, right? And to be able to take care of your family is um, it's critical. Right. So what was it in your mind that said, tech is going to be the pathway for me to bridge an opportunity to make money? What was it that said, this is an area for me 
to step up my game and to go to technical school to get the skills that I need. You know, a lot of folks now are looking at an opportunity in the university, whether it's state college, city college, and then they go to the technical schools. Google right now is doing, you know, certifications for free to become a support person. So if you want to get a cert in IT support for Google platforms, you can do that. There's so much available to you right now. Then back in the day, you had to pay for everything. So what was that? Like you said, this is going to be it for me. So kind of funny story. I mentioned I was waiting tables. One day I saw a commercial on TV, as I'm sure so many people can relate to. Marketing works. (laughs) Yes. I saw a commercial for this trade school. And one of the things that they advertised was that their programs were set hours and it was a set like start and end. So it was a two-year program. Mm-hmm. You went four hours a day. They were the same four hours. And and I also kind of knew from my own tinkering that I thought that I would be good in something technical. <laughs> Much to my the unhappiness of my dad, I used to like take apart his stuff in the garage and I would like unscrew it and I would kind of putz around with it and I would like reassemble <laughs> it, put it back together. And sometimes there might be an extra screw, but hey, you know, things mm-hmm. generally worked when they Anyway, so I thought that I might have an aptitude for mm. doing that sort of work. I wasn't certain, but I thought that maybe I would. So yeah, the idea of a limited time frame, set hours, I thought, oh, this would allow me to continue working. It would be something that I could, you know, achieve. Mm-hmm. So I um, convinced my parents to, you know, help get me into that program and help take care of my daughter while I was doing it. Wow. So I was really, really fortunate. Yeah. I always like to say yeah. the door is there. You just have to knock or open the door, or just break it down, whatever you need to do. Because for a lot of us, we're missing those opportunities. And it's like a little tickle. And it's telling you to do something where you have an opportunity that you don't know what it's going to pan out in the future, but you should just explore it, right? And that's the sense. You got to have a curiosity and adventure to just at least explore. And we also talk about, or I do at least, that if you fail, it's okay. You know, at least you tried. So with that, understanding your background, which I wasn't really aware that you were a teen mom. So that's hard. I had another guest on the podcast. She was a teen mother as well, and her parents were farm workers. And when you have the support there, you can really do things. And she was able to go to college, but it took a long time. But she was able to do her bachelor's, and then she went on to do her master's. But it took a long time. But she was a mom at 17. Same thing. But she's very active in the community as well. You know, I'm not a mother I haven't shared this before, but I have tried with my husband and it just didn't work out for us. But I see the struggle with my sisters, other folks in our family, all my friends that have had children that were single moms. And the fact that we are not being recognized for that and our multitude of skills in tech or any other job is just such a profit loss to any business, any business, which why I say basta ya, start your own business, which is why we're coming to you to see why did you start a cybersecurity small business? That is fascinating to me. So we talked a little bit about how I got into tech. In the early 2000s, I came to California and I worked for one company in particular that 
recognized, I guess, my potential in security and decided like, oh, you're really good at security. To me, it just seemed like common sense, like because where I'd come from before, everything was so well done. And I didn't quite realize that all the things I saw were not things everyone saw. Like I thought everyone saw these things and that it just made common sense. But I realized then it didn't necessarily mean that to everyone. And so they decided to make me a security engineer. I had very little like official training or experience being an engineer at that Mm -hmm. time, but they put me in the role and I think I did really well at it. I excelled at it and I really, really loved it. What I have found is that I have a knack for seeing all the potential places where things can go wrong. Mm. And some would say this is just like overly, like overly critical, mm-hmm. I think, but it's also just having a lot of foresight. And so when you can see that and you can say to a company or a business like, hey, here are all the places that things could go wrong in your technical or in the, you know, in your processes that and here's what you can do to kind of like mitigate that or to protect yourself against those things. I think it's, it's incredibly valuable. So after pretty good corporate career, I would say like 20 plus years in, in corporate. The stars were kind of like all aligned and mm-hmm. my daughter was now getting ready to go off to college. The company that I was working for had been acquired and the writing was on the wall that, you know, we oh. were going to be out for a couple of years. And so I decided to give it a shot. I had some friends with small businesses that encouraged me to start a business helping other small businesses. And in particular, a female friend of mine with a business said something one day like, you know, John, I just trust you more. Like as a woman, if you're going to have your hands on my computer and my files and things like that, I'd much rather do business with another woman than I would some random like tech shop or IT guy, which is real easy to find IT guys, right? No problem there. And she said, yeah, yeah, you should really think about this. And so that's kind of how it started. I, I started, like I said, I started off with just a couple of friends who had small businesses and I would help them and advise them and help make sure that their stuff was secure. It's just grown over the years into the small team that we have today. Even when I talk to clients and they're like, oh my God, there's so much technology and I don't want to deal with it. It's like, if we had more women in tech, that could come from a user perspective of what we need and how we use technology more, we would not be in the space. And I'm not blaming anybody, but this is the true problem. And having more folks of color as well, because we're all different, but we're the highest users of technology and we utilize more tools and systems than everybody really understands. And so that's why for you to have this small business in IT, I think is awesome. There's such a void of women in business, but also it's also something that I feel like so many more women are starting to open, they're opening their minds to the idea that they can be in business for themselves, right? I think that if we as women kind of work to help by bringing others along and by doing business with each other, I'm kind of one of those, like, we women, we got to stick together. We need to do business with each other. We need to hire each other, you know, give each other work, give each other experience and help each other out. And what's that phrase about, you know, raising everyone up together? I think it's really, really important. And now's the time. Oh, my God. It's the best time. And I've been saying this on all podcasts. So in down economies, in these times where it's uncertain, that is the best time. 
And so many companies have just skyrocketed and it's because they want to give money. They want change. This is a big time for change. And so if you're listening out there, get that motor oil change woman owned (laughs) car dealership going, man, because I'm telling you, I would take my car there and, you know, you could probably get a pedicure while you're waiting for your car to get done. Oh my God. And we could have mimosas too. I think we could have. (laughs) I mean, this is, this is where we are. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, if I'm going to take my car and and I'm going to have to stay there for an hour and a half, then yeah, I want to get something else, you know, done. So I think that's, yeah. That's cool. You just so, found a whole new business model, like a whole oh new business. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. I'm investing. Who's in it? All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> totally. So Jen, tell us why did you pick Geek Girl Tech as your domain and the business name? Oh my gosh. So this is a funny story. Do you remember AOL? Oh my God. Were you around for AOL? I'm embarrassed to say yes. <laughs> so back in the AOL days, my screen name, you remember we had screen names? My screen name back then was Austin Geek Girl. Oh. And then I moved to Boston and I think my MySpace and my Yahoo account was Boston Geek Girl. Then I had Bay Area Geek Girl. Mm. And so some of my, before I launched the business name and I was just helping some of my friends with small businesses, Mm -hmm. one of them would say, oh, hey, there's the Geek Girl, there's Geek Girl. And so that's how the name came to be. So it's had some iterations and so this is it, right? And you have that on lock, I hope. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, there's no shortage of variations that other businesses or, you know, businesses, nonprofits, conferences, you know, Mm -hmm. I do love that geek girl is like become like a really cool thing now, right? Because 30 years ago, it's definitely less cool. (laughs) Yeah. And it's basically part of your lineage of all these journeys through tech. So you've kept it. So that's a good story. One of the reasons, again, that I was alluding to in the intro that you started cybersecurity. Cybersecurity right now is a very hot topic in the market and it is a big deal. And more small businesses are getting into using more technology. So how is it beneficial? Because people don't understand. Some people think, oh, that's for enterprise because it's all around the coding of the platforms, correct? I think there was something you said at the beginning of that statement that kind of touched on part of the problem, which is that there's ransomware and hackers are attacking large companies. It's true. Hackers are attacking large companies, but they're also attacking small companies. It's just that you don't see the small businesses in the news. Like they're just not newsworthy, right? Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of news articles or there's nothing on, you know, on the local news about how, how many small businesses went out of business in the past six months or a year because Mm -hmm. they suffered from a ransomware attack or some other sort of cyber attack. But it's absolutely happening. It happens every day. In fact, there's a statistic that says that I think it's 63% of small businesses that suffer a major attack are out of business within one year, I think is the number. It's a large number. 
You know, the thing is, is that the big companies, like you heard about like the pipeline mm-hmm. thing that happened earlier this mm-hmm. year, most of the large enterprises, when they're hit with a ransomware attack or mm-hmm. a malware attack, they're able to overcome it, right? Through insurance or money. Like they're just, they're much more stable. They're, you know, and they're very few companies actually go out of business. Very few large companies go out of business because of a ransomware attack. On the other side of that, though, when a small business suffers a ransomware attack, it can take them out within months because they're not able to overcome it, right? If you think about like what would happen if your business lost access to all of your customer data, how would you handle that? I can give you an example. We helped a business um, a couple of years ago that had a major breach and for two weeks, they couldn't create their product they couldn't deliver their product. They couldn't even call or email their customers to let them know that they weren't going to be delivering. Oh, man. Because the customers and all the order information was in the system that they couldn't get access to. Oh, wow. So they were basically completely shut down for two weeks. So I have a question about that. So if I'm using a third-party app, like let's just say a CRM solution or I'm using email or a payment system because now everything is in the cloud. Is that on their end to be more protecting their customer like me? Or if I'm running a small business and I'm using their apps to run my business, am I responsible for putting the protection around those systems because it's my business with my customers? That's a good question. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a couple of things there that you touched on that's really important. One is because you're using a cloud-based system, does that mean you're safe, right? Are they taking care of everything for you? Mm -hmm. And I think the answer is some, yes, sort of, but you shouldn't depend on it 100%. And, And here's why. Like they might be focused on protecting their servers and doing all of that. And they might be able to recover. But if you lose access to your data through your own accounts, Mm -hmm. the data can be stolen, encrypted, lost or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I can give you an example of where I, where we saw this recently, we saw a situation where someone, their Instagram account, which I know Instagram may or may not drive, like that may not be the like lifeblood of your business. But Mm -hmm. for this particular business, well, it could be for marketing if that's your big revenue generator. Totally. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So they had their account ransomware. So they didn't ransomware the the posts. They actually got the account. They like hacked the account and took over their Instagram and held the account hostage. Whoa. Well, how does Facebook not know that? Uh, Facebook is totally on my shit list, by the way. If they're advertising all these things for businesses to advertise and now they own Instagram, which is a total crazy mess and they want more people to use it, they're not protecting your own customer account. Okay. Let's say you have Google, like Google Workspace, you have G Suite Mm -hmm. and you're a paying and you're a paying customer. I am. When you, when you're (laughs) a paying customer, you can go to Google and you can get their help. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if something happens and you get locked out, then it stands within reason that they're going to help you. Mm-hmm. But when you get locked out of a Facebook or an Instagram or some other like free service, the support that you get may or may not be there for you when you need it. 
Mm -hmm. And so in this particular instance, what we saw was that the person just kind of like threw their hands up in the air after they couldn't get their account back in such whatever time. And they just kind of like gave up on their Instagram account. It was just like, oh, I just lost my Instagram account. And they walked away from it and they lost. So is that something you could help with? Because there's a lot of social influencers out there. That's their bread and butter. So we do work with our clients on making sure that their accounts are secure, that they've got strong usernames and passwords, mm-hmm. that they have strong two-factor authentication in place. And these are some of the biggest things that you can do to protect yourself. But if someone's account is compromised, then you're kind of like up to, it's kind of like up to the vendor of whoever makes the software to be able to support you and get you back online. Without protection, you're just up a creek. But if you have it, you have some help basically. So that's interesting to know. Yeah. It's also pretty good to note too, that when you think about some small businesses that are still using their Gmail accounts instead of a paid G Suite mm-hmm. account, this is mm-hmm. a good reason why you want to have a paid account versus using your free Gmail. Account, exactly. Right? The support that you get from these free services is not necessarily what you Right. Need. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do a podcast on that coming up on these technology platforms for business because it's really important. And I always tell people, There's phishing out there, the phishing aspect with email, and it can look really authentic. Like I just got one the other day on my phone about Amazon and about purchase of uh, the new iPhone or something, but it was super cheap. And that's what threw me off because I'm like, this thing is like $1,800 and it just said I purchased it, but it need to confirm the order through Amazon and the domain was all weird and And it was just crazy. And I'm like, oh, my God, you know, they're getting more sophisticated. So all you folks out there, this is the time. So just be careful. Phishing is the number one way that people and businesses are being compromised Mm -hmm. is through those emails, because all they have to do is through my phone. Yeah. And that, too. Yeah. And we've even seen phishing attacks through LinkedIn Messenger. So you can't even trust Facebook Messenger, LinkedIn Messenger, any sort of place where someone can communicate with you, text Mm -hmm. message, email, anytime someone is trying to get you to do something, to click on something, to respond to something, you always have to be thinking like, who is this? Am I, was I looking forward to this message? Like, was I expecting this message to come to me? And if it wasn't something that I was looking for or expecting, I tell people to like, give it the big squinty eye, you know, and just like, what is that? What is that? Who are you? And what are you doing? And why do you want, you know, what do you want from me? Go away. In Latinidad, we call that mal de ojo. Can I tell you too, since you mentioned the text that you received this text message, Mm -hmm. just for your listeners, it's really, really, really important to make sure that your phones are running the latest and greatest software. I'm sorry, I know this wasn't supposed to be a bunch of tips about security, but the reason for this is that all of the iPhone users, Apple came out with an update last week that if you don't have this update applied, then you could conceivably, just by receiving a text message, you don't even have to open it or click on it. Just by receiving a text message, your phone could be compromised or your computer or your Apple Watch. So you have to make sure that if you're using any products, but specifically last week, it was an update for Apple products, that you have to have those products updated and current and do not put those updates off. Well, crap, I have to do that as soon as we get off this phone. <laughs> so I, I think that's why they sent it. So I was just like, I deleted it. I didn't click it or anything. I was just like, what is this? And then I delete. So Jen, I want to talk about your background. You are helping support 
diversity and inclusion in business, and you certified your business as a B Corp. And I want folks out there to understand what that means and how important it is to the business, because a lot of people do not do that, which is very interesting. So can you give us your perspective and why you chose a B Corp certification? Yeah, absolutely. So a few years ago, I was moving from moving the company from a sole prop into something else. So and I had to make this decision, do I want to be an LLC or a nonprofit or a C Corp or whatever? There's all these like legal things. Yeah. And it was right around that time that I started reading this book called Conscious Capitalism. And it's a great book. I highly recommend it. But the idea about the book is that it's not so much profit driven business or profitable businesses that's a problem. It's unchecked profit and greed that's Mm. a problem. And so this book is really talking about how used to be that business owners and their employees didn't make that much, like they made more money, but it wasn't drastically different, right? Today, most large corporations pay their people close to minimum, you know, a lot of them pay them nothing. And the CEOs are making hundreds of millions of dollars a year, right? So there's this huge gap between the highest and the lowest paid in the company. Hello, Jeff Bezos. (laughs) Right? Yes. So the idea is that we can build new businesses. We can build a new economy where businesses aren't putting profit ahead of the people and instead are putting people on the planet before profit. So Mm -hmm. I knew very, after reading that book, I knew that was exactly what I wanted to do, that I wanted to build. And so we started looking at that. And then then we found out about being a certified B Corp. And so for those that don't know about certified B Corps, It's basically a certification that a business goes through to prove basically that they're putting their money where their mouth is, that Mm -hmm. they're treating their people, they're treating the environment, they're treating their customers, that every aspect of their business is done from a, in a very conscious way. And it's kind of like, I tell people, if you're familiar with the organic label or the fair trade label Mm -hmm. for food or for coffee, this is kind of like the organic label, but for business. (laughs) <laughs> or the fair trade, but for business. And so I having like that certification because organic has been so overused and just yeah. like slap that on there and it's like, we're good to go. But anyway. Um, well, I think what's happened is that it started off as organic used to be the only way that you could have some sort of sense of confidence that your product doesn't have chemicals. Mm-hmm. Right. But then what happened was the process to certify Mm -hmm. is so expensive and challenging that now there's like a whole nother like realm of business that where we're not using those chemicals, but we aren't certified or we don't want to be certified, but we're still healthy. Right. We don't we don't necessarily need a business doesn't need a certification to be good. Right. Mm -hmm. Foods don't need a certification to be good. So I think I think I hear what you're saying there about the organic, though. It's been it's become less effective uh, right. over time. But with a B Corp, this is a different type of certification because you are holding yourself accountable to not just putting people before profits, it's also social impact and justice for mm-hmm. a business. And right now in tech, tech should be doing that all day long, but they don't. And you are taking that step. Because after reading that book, you said, this is where I want to take my business. I knew in launching my own company Mm -hmm. that I wanted to do it differently, right? Mm -hmm. I spent 20 years in corporate America and much of it was not terrible, but 
you could see like, oh, this is how decisions are made. Mm -hmm. You could see decisions, how they were being made in the sense of shareholders, Mm -hmm. as opposed to like what's right for the people or right for their employees or right for their customers. And so I knew in starting my own business that I wanted it to be different. And how we run our business was really, really important to me. Yeah, I've seen your team and it's awesome. And the way you put yourself out there is really bold, I want to say, in tech, because not too many companies are doing that right now, which is why you're on the podcast, because I like to have the disruptors and the folks that really want to break the status quo, which is why I have so many women on the show, especially women of color. Now, this brings me to your business because you're not a woman of color, but you help bridge that gap by hiring women in tech to be a part of your team. Tell me about that. Like, why is that so important to you? Yeah. So we were talking earlier about how I was a single mom and I had these opportunities. There came a point in my own kind of like business journey when I started thinking about, aside from just doing business better and being a more socially conscious business, like what are the other things that we wanted to do? And one of the things for me was that I was super aware, one, it sucks to be the only one in the room, right? Mm-hmm. The only woman in the room, the only woman of color in the room. It sucks that tech, despite all the years of talking about it, tech is still not diverse, right? Mm-hmm. It's the numbers are still terrible. It's a huge problem. And honestly, I don't think the tech industry really, really wants to change. I think they might say they do, but I don't no. think they really want to. And I also knew that I wanted to try to help the next generation of women to come up after me or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. I think it was just partly like recognizing that I had a lot of opportunities. And even though I was a single, young single mom, and even though I I did have these opportunities, I recognized that for so many people that just wasn't happening. And so part of the mission of Geek Girl Tech is to help advance the careers of women and particularly women of color in tech and in cybersecurity. And we also do a lot of emphasis on LGBTQ and, and other like, I think the words now that I've seen most recently are historically underrepresented. So yes. it's or marginalized groups. And so we're not strictly hiring women. We're definitely not focused on hiring strictly like white women. Absolutely not. Most of my team are not white women. Yeah. So that's kind of what we're all about and what we're trying to do. Yeah. And I think that's what I mean. You're bucking the trend. You're this business owner in tech that is a woman and you want to hire women of color. So I think that's just a juggernaut for why are we not investing in this business and growing it more for other folks to be a part of it because it only adds more to the way you strategically work with other businesses, which are growing exponentially within communities right now, which need that type of help, right? Trust goes a long way. And I know that if you've come from a disadvantaged start or you've struggled, that really builds a lot of character. So that's why on the podcast, I specifically always like to turn the focus onto the challenge that we have in tech or policy making in our communities. Um, how do we get that ground? And it always comes from our challenges, our failures, the opportunities that are given to us. Sometimes we don't make the best of them. I know I'm one that has fallen the sword on that one a lot. 
but here's an opportunity. So if you're listening out there, this is that time to build what you want to build. So we touched upon why cybersecurity is important for small businesses, especially women that are starting their own business or community-owned businesses. Because of the fact that we don't hear more about it, it does wipe us out. And I think I saw a stat that if your business is compromised, it can be up into the millions of dollars. And I thought that was nuts because what if you don't have a million dollars or what if you're just starting out? That's soul crushing. And we're telling you not to be afraid, but it's just the hyper awareness of it. So tell us a little bit about how we can find you in the interwebs here, non-fishing and safe. <laughs> so the, probably the best way to find us is through our website. It's at geekgirltech.com. You can also connect to me on LinkedIn. I'm always uh, happy to accept LinkedIn connections, especially from other women or folks that share values, I think is really important. And yeah, those are probably the two best ways to reach out. So geekgirltech.com. Awesome. I love it. I want to thank you for joining Latinas from the block to the boardroom. If there's any way we can help you, please let us know. We can find you at geekgirltech.com for more information about your services and your business. But also, if they want to look at your job opportunities, they can go to LinkedIn or geekgirltech.com. That's right. Thank you. And thank you so much. It was a pleasure to, to be on your podcast. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Jen. Well, thank you, Jen, for joining us on Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. Such an amazing story. And thank you for sharing all those tips and tricks that small businesses can leverage. And the things that we don't know about technology can really impact us. So thank you for sharing that. If you'd like to learn more about Geek Girl Tech, you can find them at geekgirltech.com. You can also find Jen on LinkedIn. If you'd like to reach out to her and learn more about how you can possibly be a part of her staff, or you can also learn more about their do-it-yourself services for cybersecurity for small businesses. And that's geekgirltech.com. Or you can reach out to her at LinkedIn. Their Facebook page is Geek Girl Tech. And as we close out 2021 again, and we thank Jen for being here, let's all look forward to a safe, 2022, moving past this COVID era and really working in a network effect to build community stronger. Gracias, mi gente. Look forward to more from latinasb2b.com. Gracias, mi gente. 